Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Uh, more than half of our congregation is gone. Uh, I don't hold that against anybody. I, I think that people are being cautious, and I understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so, but I'm grateful that you're here today, and I'm grateful that we can share together. What about that? Uh, how many of you are doing your uh, Seeking God for the City? It's awesome. It really, really is. Uh, if, if you haven't noticed it already, it really opens up to your mind to, to pray about things that maybe you haven't. Anybody done that yet? Praying about things that you haven't? Uh, really cool. Uh, it's interesting. John and I were talking about this morning uh, in my office, and it says uh, this week, um, and particularly today, we're to seek God for our international visitors. <laughs> That's interesting because uh, that's how this whole thing started. But uh, I don't, you know, God wasn't surprised, was He? And so we ought to continue to pray for those things. And, and God is saying uh, to us that we ought to uh, pray that God will bring justice for those abroad who are abused. That ought to be a, a, one of our prayers. And for Christians to pray and labor with persistent faith. I think that's very important that we have persistent faith today. Because you know what? Sometimes our faith isn't persistent. Sometimes our faith wavers. Anybody? Mine does at times. And as we continue uh, actually wrapping up um, this sermon series on what is the Church of Christ, uh, this is the last sermon in this series, uh, well, the first part of the series, and then next week we'll transition into the second part of the series, which is ellipsis, dot, 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 what about the Church of Christ? So what is it? This is sermon six in the series, and then six more, what about it now? Okay, and this last one today is the fullness of Christ, the fullness of Christ. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul clearly writes to the church at uh, Ephesus about what a Christian ought to be. Now, this letter you're going to find in the message later parallels uh, the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians, uh, almost identically in so many ways. And so, Paul clearly had the same types of problems in at least two of the churches, amen? Now, that's not a surprise because in the church today, I would say that the problems we have are pretty much the same in all of them. Agreed? Some churches have some unique things, I get it. But most of our problems are that people aren't people of faith or we would believe wrong doctrine or we're not in the Word like we ought to be. Agreed? These are the problems that face the church. And that was the same problems that was facing the church at Ephesus and Colossus and all the other places that Paul wrote to. And so he has something to say to us about it. And so for, in verses 16 to 23, we find that Paul is giving uh, wisdom and uh, uh, he's praying for wisdom and knowledge uh, for the people. And he says here, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I'm grateful for that. And I'd like to think that we are doing the same, that we're praying for one another. Agreed? And then we're not ceasing to do that. He says, I'll keep asking God 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for that for you every day. How many of you think that's probably true? That your pastor prays for wisdom for our congregation? Only a few of you think that. Well, you better know it. Okay, you better know it. Because I want a church of wise people. Okay? And so I pray for that. And revelation as well. I want God to reveal to us what He wants us to know. Amen? And I'm not one of those people that says, no, God, I can't handle revelation. Uh, talk to the hand. I don't want to know. I'm one of those people that says, lay it on me, God. Who wants, who wants God to lay it on them? Who's among that group? And be honest, that says, I don't know if I want to lay it on me at all. Yeah, you ain't going to admit it. <laughs> God revealed His Word to us for a reason. You cannot pick and choose which parts you want to read, which parts you want to take to heart. It's there or it isn't. And so I don't know how we tell God, I don't know about that one. Right? Now, do we each have uh, particular passages or letters or books that we find, you know, more to our liking? Of course. Sure. But look what he says. The reason he's doing this is so that you may know him better. Do you want to know God better? I want to know God better. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And I'm trying to get a picture of that in my mind. I'm not sure in my humanness I can really grasp that. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that even could be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, listen to this, God placed all things under His feet. Yes, He did. Every single thing that hits your brain pan, every single thing you could experience, every single thing you could th think about, talk about, look at, hear, taste, feel, smell, whatever, anything, every single thing, even the things that you can't have been placed under His authority, everything. Do you grasp that? All things are under Him. And He appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church. In other words, Christ is over everything in the church. Now, we might do things in the church that we think we're in control of, and if we are, we got a problem because He's in control. It's His church, not mine, not yours. It's His. And He says that it is, in verse 23, His body. Well, what's His body? The church is. The church is the body of Christ, the fullness of Him, who fills everything in every way. In other words, what he's saying is, without the church, Christ couldn't fill everything in every way. The church has to be present for that to happen. Because Christ came for who? People. Without people, without a church, nothing to come for. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Okay. In the book of Ephesians, we find that it's really the Apostle Paul's outline of what the church ought to be. Now, we as people in our minds determine what we want the church to be. Have you ever noticed that? 
We, as people, determine through the pastor and the board and the people that attend it, this is what our church is going to be like. And do churches differ? Sure they do. Are they, do they have a different flavor? Yes. A different look? Yes. A different sound sometimes? Yes. A different way of doing things? Yes. Different theologies? Yes. That's okay. But Paul is saying, never mind that. Let's look at the things that every church will be. If it's a Christian church, these things ought to be there. Right? They, they, are, they are not optional. They are not compromisable. They just must be there. And he says in verse 3, Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, verse 23, I'm sorry, it, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that is verse 3, isn't it? Sorry. So, praise be to God who's blessed us w- with every spiritual blessing. Now, I, I want to think about that a minute because it's a bold statement. Because there are people today hearing this message either here or online or later who will say, I, I don't know that God's blessed me with every spiritual blessing. So, we're going to have people who will dispute that. Because to tell you the truth, there are certain things I would, I'd like to be blessed with. Anybody? That maybe I haven't been yet, or I think I haven't, right? And I, I, I'm probably the blessings I'm going to ask God for tomorrow are different than they are today maybe, right? I mean, these are, so, and some people say, you know, they've, they've been through a rough time, okay? And they think they're not blessed. In fact, they think, I'm a Christian, I'm still going through this stuff. I thought God was supposed to bless me, so I wouldn't. Well, God never said that. We, we expect that, we've said it, but God never, he never, he never promised that. And yet, here's the statement from Paul that you've already received every blessing that there is. And I, and I think, you know, even though we want to debate the statement, the Word of God is truth in its entirety. Isn't it? And so, if God admonished Paul to put it there and published his manuscript here all together and said, this is, the, this is the book, this is the manuscript that I want out there for Christians, then I, I take it at his word. And for those who don't believe that Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, he offers proof in the subsequent chapters. In fact, he even claims that the church is here for God's eternal purposes. See, we're here not for us, but for him. I mean, isn't that really the truth? I mean, I know we don't want to believe that, and most of society won't believe it. They think they're here for themselves, and it shows. <laughs> Amen? Come on. Wake up, kids. Hey, look, I'll put my glasses on see who's not listening. Okay? All right? So we're not here for us, and we're like, that's not fair. <laughs> yes, it is. He's the one that gave you life. He's the one that tells your heart to beat. He's the one... And we learned last week that you can't even take a breath without him saying so. Huh? So we're here for him. Do you understand that? And when you said, I do to Christ, you should really understand it. And if you don't, I'm telling you. Because you're clearly not looking at the word because that it tells you too. <laughs> Sometimes I think we don't read our word. What we do is wait for the preacher to tell us what it says. No, we all need to be in it. Because how would you know if I'm telling the truth or not? Or anybody, for that matter. And how's God going to teach you on a daily basis? Not one of you is, is listening to my teaching every day. Or anybody else's teaching, for that matter. So, we need to be in the Word of God. Amen? That's a fact. 
So be in the Word of God, and you will find that God has proven that we're here for Him. He even proves this truth by telling us that God predestined all humankind to be part of eternity. In other words, before He ever, he ever created the first one in Adam, He determined that mankind should be with Him in eternity. He looked ahead in time, didn't He, Carol? Okay. And you think from Adam, He saw you and me? Yep. That's exactly what I'm saying. And He determined and predestined that all should be with Him. Sadly, most won't. In fact, somebody asked me the other day, is, are you saying that you know, just like, uh, you know, uh, you heard Father Richard say last week, okay, more people are going to hell than heaven. That, 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 that stuns me. Anybody else just can't get their head around that maybe? Because society is telling us that everybody's going to go. No. <laughs> the Bible says otherwise. It's a shame, but that's what it says. Henceforth, the sheep and the goats. Remember, the, 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 the gate for the goats is much wider than it is for the sheep, isn't it? And who belonged to Christ? Well, the sheep. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you determine that? Well, God does. So the fact of the matter is, He wants us all with Him. But only a few are going to choose it and be adopted by Christ according to the will of the Father. And He further offers more proof by proving that God has blessed us with wisdom and discernment. Although I look around sometimes and don't see much of it. Amen? Because we think wisdom and discernment is how we think and feel. And our own human experiences. Friends, that is not wisdom and discernment. That's humanity speaking. And humans are almost always wrong. Have you ever noticed that? So when you guess about the things of heaven, you're probably going to be wrong. If you listen to people who aren't in the Word of God, but they feel a certain way, uh, you're probably going to be wrong. Okay? The only real way to know is being in the Word, yeah? Now, we can debate that. That's cool. I'm, I'm good there. But outside of that, I'm not interested. And none of us should be. And through these people, those who have wisdom and discernment, He has made His perfect will known to us. The Bible says that He has. Okay, Ephesians 1, 10 to 13. And to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity, with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. That's what we're for, to be for the praise of His glory, right? And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, you have to believe in Him and be obedient, mind you, in order to be marked with that seal. Do you understand? Because here's the thing, friends, you can't just believe in God or the Christ and be marked with the seal. Can I prove that? Many times over. In fact, the Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble. So there's a reason why the demons are trembling, amen? I can't make a demon tremble unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody? That's the only way I can make a demon tremble. And I've done some business with them. Anybody feel like you've done business with a demon? Kind of scared you, didn't it? See, there's only, there's only one power in, in eternity, through all of eternity, that can ever stand up to a demon, and that's Jesus Christ. That's God the Father, His, His Spirit, and His Son. 
the Trinity. That's it. That's the only thing. So when the demons come, and they do, right? What's your authority? Paul says that in this manner, when we have it, we experience, get this, the fullness of Christ. Friends, I don't want to be out there with partial Christ. Anybody? I want to be out there with the fullness of Christ. I am not going to go up against a demon knowingly with just a little bit of Christ. Anybody want to try that? It's been done before. Hadn't it, Pastor Bob? It's been done before in the Word of God, and uh, they, they, didn't do, they didn't fare so well. I mean, when, and when they said, well, you know, in, in, in the name of Jesus, Peter, and Paul, we rebuke you. And they said, well, Jesus, Peter, and Paul, we know, but who are you? And I, I'm just not going to do that, friends. You know? I, I want to walk up. If, if I have to deal with a demon, I, I want to know that I've got the fullness of Christ in me to do that because he's the one that's going to fight my battle. Yeah? He's already defeated him. He's already defeated death. And that's what they're about is death. You're going to find that out here in a few minutes. So let's talk about that. First of all, we have to start this fullness of Christ with Christ being exalted. And, and, and Christ is exalted through the incomparable power of God the Father. That's how he's exalted. And, and, and for you to understand that, let me explain it. Notice that Paul says it took the incomparable power of God in order to exalt Christ to be over everything, including the church. How? Well, first, God raised the Christ from the dead. I mean, that's, that's pretty much incomparable power. What do you think? Isn't it? This is huge because it, it isn't just about coming back to life. It's also taking the body away from Satan. That was a big deal, understand? Because Satan has claimed control over everything on and in the earth. The Bible tells us that he has. He has claimed power and authority and dominion over everything on and in the earth. Do you understand that? He's claimed power over it. Why? Well, because you remember that based on his resurrection, Christ became the author of salvation. And Satan is and always has been, always will be, the author of death. So anything in the earth that is dead, he claims, belongs to him. The fact of the matter is, nobody would be in the earth in death if it hadn't been for him. Right? He is the author of death. But Christ is and always will be the author of salvation, the author of life. Salvation is the stepping stone to life. Therefore, it is because of Satan that death exists in the first place. And it is solely and completely because of the love the Father has for His creation and humankind and the death and resurrection of His Son in salvation for us that we have life in the first place. Do you get that? Now, this fullness of Christ might be difficult to understand, but that concept is not. That's the whole premise of Christianity. A second thing is that God raised the humanity of Jesus from the dead. Now, that's, that's big too, okay? Because you're like, well, you know, it's no big deal that he died and went on the cross because he knew he was going to raise the life anyway. Well, not necessarily. Jesus knew in his humanness he could fail. Have you ever heard that before? Jesus could have said no. He could have failed. You know how I know? That's why Satan was all over him all the time. But aren't you glad that he didn't? Aren't you, aren't you delighted that in his humanness, he chose to continue to be perfect in God so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you and me? 
God sent His Son, the human portion of Himself, knowing He could fail and allowing Him to do it. They didn't. And that tells me, when I see what Christ did versus what He could have done, it shows me what I can do in Him. Does that make sense to you? It shows you what you can do in Him. And the fact is, this is true because no, no other human has ever been raised from death to life for eternity before Christ. Now, some went to heaven, but they didn't die. Okay, I can think of two. And some were raised from the dead, but not for eternity. Okay, they all died again. Uh, Lazarus died again. Yeah. So, understand that He's the only one. And because this is true, Jesus was the only one worthy of this powerful action. And due to the nature of His resurrection, He was seated in the most important place for eternity, and that is at the right hand of the Father, in a place of position of authority and power. And in taking this position, He was seated above every authority and every power, not just for the past, but into the present and well into the future of eternity. No, that's why His name is above all names. That's why there's nothing above Him and never will be. He has given authority, the Bible says so, over everything, not just in the world, but in the church. Over everything. And that leads me to my next point. God made Christ the head of the church. Now, I know we think we are. We think we're the head of the church. You know how I know that? Because we, we spend an awful lot of time telling the pastor and the board members and elders in certain churches what church ought to be like. Tell me we don't. Some of you are giggling and laughing because you know it's true. Everybody's got an opinion. Who, who in here has an opinion about church? Come on, keep your hands up. Look at your neighbor. If their hand is up, get it up. Okay? Because they have an opinion about church, I'm telling you. That's why we come and go pick and choose. Yeah? If we're upset, we just ain't going to go that day. In fact, we get upset enough times, we might not go back ever again. We'll find another place that's more in liking with what we want. That's how we, that's how we do church. I'm going to get into that a little bit further in a minute. But see, the Bible says God made Christ the head of the church, and he, he raised His Son from the dead to establish the church, and He elevated His Son to be the head over the church. Friends, by doing this, God has made it clear that although we humans may have made many churches out there, and we have, right? There's only one head. Many churches, one head. And if Christ isn't at the head of the church, it's not a Christian church. You can call it a church, you can call it anything you want all day. But if He in the head of it, then it's not a Christian church. I think I know some that aren't Christian churches. And boy, they get offended when you tell them that. Well, listen, I tell them this, this is not my opinion. The Bible's opinion. The Bible says that if Christ isn't the head, if you don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He raised from the dead, then, then you're not a Christian church. <laughs> you can think anything you want all day long. Knock yourself out. But truth is truth, and that's the way it is. In fact, if you don't believe in this in its entirety and no other manuscript alongside it, guess what? You're not a Christian church. Because the Bible says don't add or subtract to it. Hmm? Well, that's, that's being a cult. No, uh, I see you're the cult. But see, we're taught today, oh, don't, don't, don't offend people like that. Don't, 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 don't do that. This is eternity we're talking about. 
you want me not to offend somebody because their feelings might be hurt, but they're going to go to hell? Huh? We would really think that? Yeah, today we would. Today we would. We would rather feel good on earth and spend eternity in hell today. I believe that. Anybody with me here? Anybody think that's possible? If there can only be one head, there can only be one church, friends. I don't care what they call themselves. There's only one church. Only one church of Christ out there that I know of. It doesn't really matter what name's on the front door. It doesn't really matter what's on the sign. It's what's inside that matters. That's what matters. What the people are that make it up, that makes a church or not. Whether it's Christian or not. Whether Christ is ahead or not. You understand? And since this is true, there can only be one body and one spirit, and together we make up the one body. I mean, Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 tell us that there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. As it is, many parts, one body. According to Colossians 1.18, the church is His body. And Christ only built one church, friends. Not several, just one. And He would know, for He's the one that purchased the church. Acts 20 says so. And as such, He's ahead over all things to the church and within the church. And we better start acting in our church like He's the head of it. <laughs> Anybody? I, I think we do a pretty good job here. And let me, I, I'm going I'm to give you this challenge. If your pastor ever gets to the point, meaning me, if I ever get to the point where I'm acting like this is my church and not his, you call me on it. I, I, don't, I don't just invite you. I, I'm, I'm demanding you. Because you, you don't need a pastor that, does, that thinks it's his or hers. You, you don't. All of us need to know who, who runs the church, yeah? That's it. And friends, because of that, point C, it is and always has been, always will be his prerogative <laughs> to say what the church must do and not do. In and up to Christ. Now, a lot of people say they'll do what they want, say what they want, and say, well, Christ told me. <laughs> We're good at that, aren't we? Anybody? No, no, nobody in here has ever done it, I'm sure. But I have. I'd like to think it was a long time ago when I was young and not real spiritually diligent, okay? Now, listen, friends, all, all church problems, and all churches have them. All churches have problems, okay? We don't have very many, right? But we have them. And if they aren't here now, they will be sometime because Satan's active. Anybody? And he uses people, yeah? So all church problems, all questions, everything has to be solved through Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, many people are unwilling to allow Christ to be completely in control. I know that because I struggle with it myself, right? I'm capable, but he's way more capable than me. Anybody feel that way? Where God's way more capable than you are? Luke 6, 46 tells us it's true. And likewise, we're forbidden to alter the word, which incidentally, many do and will. I see people twist the word to use in a matter that, to their liking. You know? When people tell me, oh, it's just love, grace, and mercy. Yeah, but there's going to be judgment. And, and you would do well to remember that. Anybody? Yeah. And friends, the word, by the way, is his will and his way. He said so. He gave it to us. 
Why? Because the church is His body. And since the church is His body, to be in Christ, my friends, is to be within the body of Christ. In fact, here's the deal. You can't opt out. But today we've been told, if you don't like something, opt out. Don't do it. Get out. Well, then, if you opt out of the church and you opted out of heaven. <laughs> yes or no? Opt out of the church, you opted out of heaven. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, good. Knock yourself out. Because I won't see you in heaven, I'm sure. And that's not my call, but I'm pretty sure the one who does make the call is going to tell you that. Okay? And if you do opt out, then you don't even belong to Christ at all because nobody who belonged to Christ would want to opt out. And the fact is, friends, <laughs> it's only through the church that we have a spiritual connection with Him in the first place. And I, I know people are going to say, oh, yeah, 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 I don't believe that. Well, it's the truth. And I can prove it's the truth. And the reason is because is the church the bride of Christ? Yes or no? Is the church the bride of Christ? Yes or no? Is the church the bride of Christ? Yes or no? Look around you. Who's, who, who's not answering? Friends, is the church the bride of Christ? Yeah, it is. Do we know that? Bible say so? Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. So here's the deal. It is, and, and if you refuse to be part of the church that he purchased, and, and he is not the head then how can you be part of the bride? The answer is you can't, right? Either he's the head or you're not his. And if you aren't, then you can't have the spiritual connection to him. For it's through the ministries of the church and being part of the body that he commanded you to be part of, by the way, okay, that we receive that connection. Remember, Christ gave the gift of the Spirit to the members of the church that he established at Pentecost. Yes or no? Come on, do you know your Bible? Yes or no? Did he establish the church at Pentecost? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, he did. 100%. And therefore, the church is indeed the fullness of Christ until it isn't. The church is the fullness of Christ until it isn't. And, and we have to do a pretty good evaluation of finding out if we're the church, first of all. And secondly, do we have the fullness of Christ? And you can know. It didn't, I, I don't want you to guess at it. And just because people attend here, or because we're part of the bigger church, or because we do good Christian things here, that we have the fullness of Christ. That is not the measure. Okay? It's not the measure. And this is precisely why Paul says that the church is the fullness of Christ that fills everything in every way. And we've got we to decipher that, see? We've got to look at this. And this is not... You're run-of-the-mill, oh, you know, uh, let's read the Bible, feel good about things. No, no, no. This is deeper. This is, this is advanced Bible study. This is, this is really taking the Word apart and letting the Holy Spirit really move on you so you understand the fullness of the church, which means everything in every way. Because we separate our church time with the rest of life. We separate our spirituality with the rest of life. And all of us do it in some manner. Did you know that? We do. And it's easy to do. Okay? And God isn't talking about that. He's talking about His Son being the fullness of the church of which you are part or you're not His. Okay? We already established that. Then, it's every way, all the time. Everything in every way. You get it? That, my friends, 
tells us of the importance of the church. What does this mean? Well, it means that if Christ and the church are the source of everything, and Christ and the church fill everything, then we should not pursue anything before Christ and the church. Did you hear me? See, I'm just repeating his words. We should not pursue anything before Christ and his church, but we do, don't we? We are, aren't we? Probably did it this morning. Probably did it yesterday. Probably going to do it this afternoon, too. Chances are pretty good we'll do it this week. If Christ fills the church and we want to be filled with Christ, then we're going to have to plug into the church with everything we have, everything we are, everything we think about, everything we do. With every moment, with every strength and every ability that we have that we possess. But I'm busy this week. I know. But I got, I know. You don't understand my schedule. Don't have to. Because he knows. And he knows whether you're going to plug in or you're not. And he knows whether it's important to you or it isn't. And he's the one that determines whether you're his or not. <laughs> wow. It's not that simple. It's exactly that simple. And Satan knows it too. Anybody here doubt Satan knows it? Anybody think that Satan isn't the best attender of church there is? Hmm? So, number two, what does the Bible say about fullness? Now, I may not go through all of this because I got a lengthy amount of stuff here. Uh, we have the time. I think we do. We don't have the time? Well, the time is when I say this. So, <laughs> you never complained before, at least not to my face you didn't. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. So, what does the Bible say about fullness? Well, let's look at the book of Colossians. Interestingly, 78 of the 95 verses in Colossians resemble the book of Ephesians. Anybody ever noticed that before? Anybody seen that parallel? I, 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 knew, I knew Pastor Chris had. And Irvin, I think you and I have talked about that a little bit. Uh, I know Billy and I have some. Uh, Ephesians and uh, Colossians are very similar. Uh, he says things a little bit differently, but the problems were the same, basically. Okay, so 70, 78 of 95 verses resemble. The wording, again, is different, but Paul is clearly giving the same type of message to both churches. Why? Because both churches had the same problems. Okay? In fact, a word study shows that the word fullness is used an equal amount of times in both books. Now, God had to have done that. Anybody? I don't, think, I don't think Paul plagiarized his first letter to the second. I don't think he just, you know, took different names out and sent it. No, I don't think so. You could claim that, but I, I think you'd be wrong because God wouldn't allow that. Furthermore, the word filled comes from the Greek word pleroma. Pleroma. Say it. Pleroma. Yeah. And, and basically, it's the same word every time. Play Roma. In Colossians 1, 9, Paul prayed, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In 1, 19, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell within Him. Notice that in Colossians 1, 13-14, God brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Now, as I look at those three passages, and I think, good night, that's what he's talking about the church at Ephesus. Exact same thing. In fact, 
This is important because it goes right back to the fullness through the incomparable power of God that we just talked about. Okay? Remember that the Son is exalted by the Father into a position of power. We already established that, correct? Through Him, we not only receive salvation, but we also receive, get this, friends, the maintenance of it. Because is it enough just to get saved? Come on, who thinks it is? If you do, make an appointment, because it's not. I'm glad that God gives me the authority and power through the Son to maintain my salvation. Anybody? Because I struggle every single day with something. Tell me you don't. Huh? So we have to maintain this, you see. Now, here's the deal. Nobody in here, and nobody who knows what it is, wants partial salvation. Anybody want partial salvation? That's like partial fullness. That's like going to war with the enemy with only a portion of the weapons that God has available to you. I'm not going to do it. Good night. You, you won't go on a trip without packing everything you thought you might use. And we sometimes won't even touch some of the things that are in the suitcase. I, who, who's done it? We'll be sure we pack for everything, every scenario, just because. But we'll walk out the street every single day with just part of the weapons that we have. We say we won't, but we do. It's 100% true, friends. And as I thought about that, I thought, okay, nobody wants partial salvation. We say we don't, but we do. Because we're not, we're not pursuing the fullness. Remember, go, go, go fast forward go, or fast backwards a little bit. Remember I said this just a few minutes ago. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We say we don't want partial. But we do. It's easy to be unprepared. Because none of us probably pursues Christ and His church with everything we are. That's a fact. And if you aren't, you're partial. Aren't we? We're partial. I know the truth. We don't like the truth sometimes. I don't. And I don't like to face it when I know it's, I'm, I've, I've not done it, I, when I have failed or I've, I'm wrong about something. But, but God, here's God telling me, are you pursuing me with all that you are? Are you pursuing your church with all that you are? So I look, I look at this, and you're the church. You're it. I look at these faces and the ones that aren't here today, and I think, okay, am I pursuing these people with everything that I are, everything that I am? And are you doing the same? I'll bet you we're not. I'll bet you we're limited in our scope. What's your guess? If nothing more, could we be better? I, I certainly can be better, and I think I do quite a bit. And see, it doesn't matter if I do more than you. It doesn't matter if, if Pastor Bob does more than Judy. It doesn't matter if Marianne does more than, than Jimmy or anybody. It, it doesn't matter. It, we, we, we can't use that as our measuring stick if I'm better than somebody. God says, are you better than you were yesterday, and are you getting better tomorrow? And are you going to be better because I want you to be, and are you like me in every way? Are you pursuing your church and the people in it in every way. Not just the church universal. It makes it too easy, too general. What about the people that's in your fellowship? What about them? You see? That's what he's talking about. You see, we don't want partial salvation. We want full pardon, full exoneration, and full restoration. I do. Anybody with me here? 
I want everything he offers. And all we have to do is accept the offer, but then, well, we've got some requirements here. Remember that Christ is the head of the church, so what he says goes. Amen? This obviously requires some obedience. Not partial obedience, because therein defines partiality. You want to talk about the fullness of Christ? How obedient are you? Are you fully obedient? Then you'll receive full blessing. Are you partially obedient? I'm guessing you're not going to get full blessing. You see, I know it. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking. Because some of you will be offended if I say I know it. But see, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what he says. And he says, yeah. I, how, can I, how can I bless you fully <laughs> if you're not obedient fully? He told Peter, unless I wash you, you can't have no part of me. How, how could you? Peter was being disobedient. Jesus said, let me wash you. Peter said, no. God said, really? Unless I wash you, you can't, be, you can't have part of me. Not just part of me. And Peter said, well, I want the whole thing. He said, you already got it. You already got the whole thing. All you need to do is scrub up a little bit, not be baptized all over again. I mean, every time I sinned, I'd have to be diving in the river out here. I almost said the St. Joe, wrong town. I think the Wabash would be a little bit better than the St. Joe. I'm not sure. I've been in both of them. I'm not a fan. But here's the deal. Okay? I don't have to be rebaptized. Because, listen, we had to have baptism all the time around here. Like every day. Right? You guys be calling me a pastor. I need to get baptized. <laughs> Screwed up. Right? Anybody ever felt that before? Maybe, right? You were so bad, maybe you need to get baptized again. Right? Yeah, probably not. But he does want your obedience. Right? Uh, repentance? Yeah. Okay, restoration, yeah. Turning from it, yeah. Because he can't offer grace until you turn from it. Right? No grace until you turn from it. Forgiveness is one thing, but you have to turn from it or there's no grace. Do you understand? Well, you better. And if you want to argue with me, bring lunch. You'll need it. Better bring dinner, too. Okay? Because I'm telling you, friends, we've screwed that up, too. Now, here's the deal. If full salvation requires full obedience, and if all fullness is in Jesus Christ, then for him to, to bestow the fullness of his blessings upon the church that he loves, we must truly belong to his kingdom. This is the same message of fullness that we receive from Paul in Ephesians. He told the Coloss church the same thing. Finally, in Colossians 2.9, we find, for in Christ the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, this is important, okay? The fullness of God lived in the form of humanity in Jesus. Do you understand that? Okay? So this is important because it means we have largely misunderstood what it means to be a Christian and why God wanted it. Now, if you didn't hear much until then, you better perk up and take notice of this one. Okay? See, friends, we typically look at Jesus as the mediator between humankind and God the Father. That's what most of us do. And sometimes, and, and Max will tell you this is true, Roman Catholics use Virgin Mary in that capacity. Yes or no? Okay. I want you to know something. Mary's not even in the equation here. I'm glad that she was who she was and she bore the Son of God. And I can just imagine what kind of heart she must have had that God chose her to do that. And I, want, I want that kind of heart. Anybody? Okay. But here's the deal. When it comes to God and His Son, the Christ, there's no difference. One, not a mediator to the other. I mean, to a point, that's true. 
He says he makes intercession for us. But I want to go deeper than that. You have to get, you have to get beyond this. Okay? Let me explain what it means. We've, we've always seen God the Father as a rule maker. We've always seen him as the strong and iron-handed ruler, the one who passes judgment, who's largely seen as unmerciful and oftentimes unreasonable. I know that because people tell me all the time, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jesus follower. Well, good for you. Then you've got to follow the Father too. Well, I'm a New Testament Christian. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> Old Testament, because right before it, I mean, he wouldn't be here without the Old Testament. Okay? So let, let, let's talk about that for a second. Where with Jesus here is different, we see the portion of the, this portion of the Godhead that is more understanding, more compassionate, more forgiving, and much less rigid than the Father, and that is false. He, he, you can perceive Him that way, but that isn't true. You just saw God in His human state. That's all. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to go down this road here because we've been taught wrongly. The problem is, friends, that Christians seem to want to focus on the desirable parts of Christianity. I know I do. Anybody with me here? Those are the things we want to focus on. That's what we want. But we, we run long and hard and avoid the parts that aren't necessarily quite so pleasant. And since all fullness of the Father lives in the human form of Jesus, the two are one and the same. In fact, Jesus even pointed this out in John 10, 30. He said, I and the Father are one. He further, further stated in John 10, 38, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. In other words, the attributes of the Father are in the Son and vice versa, and they are not changeable. The attributes of the Father and the Son are the same. They always have been. They're always going to be. Okay? Get that in your head. One is not more merciful than the other. In fact, the Son came because the Father is merciful. Amen? And one is not more understanding than the other either. And neither is more forgiving or less punishing than the other, although we want to think that. And we've got to understand that that's not true. They are one. The Bible is clear about that. Jesus himself said it. We're one. And he even told his parents when he was just about 12 years old, we think, understand I am always about my father's business. Did that change somehow when he grew up? Was he somehow more merciful than the father? No. Was he somehow more compassionate than the father? No. Jesus is because the father is. Okay? In every way. Therein lies the fullness, my friends. You see? Fullness describes the spiritual relationship we have to Christ. In Colossians 1.19, in him refers to the Christian spiritual relationship to Christ, not the powers of the Godhead in him. You got to understand that too. In other words, he's speaking of the power and blessings from our union with Christ. And again, Christ is not desirous of giving us partial power or partial blessings. And I'm not interested in receiving them neither. I want the full thing. Everybody here does. But it appears clear that the blessings and power result in the fullness of our obedience. Was Jesus fully obedient to the Father? Yeah. Did he want to be? No. But praise God, he did it. I mean, I, I wasn't there in the garden, but by the Spirit, I think I was. I think I see what he felt. I think I understood what he went through. I know Lucifer was there. 
I know what he did to him, if not the fullness of it. And Jesus even asked, if it be possible, can this cup pass from me? And he immediately got the answer from the Father. And he stopped praying about it, didn't he? Just said, just prayed that the Father would give him the strength. <laughs> right? See, God can't be powerful within his people if we aren't completely obedient to him. And that's the problem. We're not completely obedient, so his power doesn't show in us. I believe that's it. I, I, I really, I mean, I look at Jesus, that's the example. There it is. Because his spirit cannot reside within us until we are. So let's move to the last part, the fullness of Christ in, in its definition. You see, the church is the fullness of him. And basically what Paul is saying in this passage is that the church itself is the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. And this means several things we may not have considered. Many people wrongly believe that they can have all the spiritual blessings that God intends for them without actually being part of a church. And I'm telling you, that's false. And you have friends that say, I don't need to go to church. Oh, yes, you do. No, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah yes, you do. Well, I think, I don't care what you think. Your, 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 your thinking, your feelings do not matter to me, not even this much. Because what you're thinking is heresy, it's wrong, the devil wants you to think that, and you are going to be disobedient by refusing to be compliant to what God has commanded you to do. Real simple. Paul even says it in Hebrew. Well, the writer of Hebrews says it. You know who I think wrote it. Stop, he says, not meeting together as many have. Because he knows it's required. You can't get what you need without being in a fellowship of people. That's part of it. Secondly, other people believe that they can receive all the spiritual blessings God has intended for them as long as they go to whatever church they want, and this too is false. God does not always give you choices on where you want to go. Because in my mind, in all three churches that I have pastored, I have quit that thing a hundred times, even this one, when things didn't go well. And I've made a good case for it every time too. And you know what? I could have called a DS somewhere and said, hey, I'm ready to go. Can I go? And they had to find a church for me. I'm telling you. I'm, it, it's a fact. But I didn't. And when Satan would dangle things at me and say, well, you know, I got this, this church of 1,000 people up here. Oh, how about that one? Be a better benefit package. Be a great retirement, too. But you know what I think? Hmm? The retirement plan that God's already given me is the best one I've ever seen. What, you know, what, what humans or Satan can dangle in front of me doesn't much matter to me anymore. There, there was a time it probably did. Not anymore. And I want to know what's being dangled in front of you. Huh? Well, what's, what's he dangling in front of you? You see, this is false. You can't just go wherever you want. God calls many of us to specific bodies of people, especially when we become stronger Christians. And although I, I think it's possible that at the beginning, God allows us a lot of leeway uh, to attend where we feel comfortable or who is invited us. I, I get that. But remember, God doesn't want us to stay comfortable. We think He does, but He doesn't. God has never allowed me to stay comfortable. Anybody? Because if you're comfortable, you're not growing. That's a fact. And if you're not growing, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. you, want, you really want to be comfortable? Do you really? I bet you don't. Sometimes God calls us to places we don't necessarily want to be. <laughs> huh? 
But of course, we're sure that when things get tough where we are, or if things don't go our way, or we can't control something, or even if we don't feel like we just don't fit in, that God must be calling us someplace else where we can feel more comfortable. There we are again, right back to square one. There's that comfortable. I personally wouldn't sit under a preacher that made me comfortable all the time. That's me. Sometimes it'd be nice, maybe. Right? Yeah. But I'd rather be challenged so that I know that I'm what I'm supposed to be and I'm getting what I ought to get. Anybody here? Just, just saying. But again, this too is mostly false, friends, because if God calls you away to somewhere else, it's usually because it's what you want, right? Because we'll tell God, uh, you know, if we want to leave, we're sure God told us, right? Now, sometimes God does call people away. I get that. But see, that brings me to my next point. There's another thing that's true. If God calls specific people to a specific body, when one is missing, then the church is missing the fullness that God intended for it. Because we're not a full body until everybody that belongs here is here. And God's continually building the body, isn't He? So I wonder, who, who are we missing? Who does God want to call here that's not here? I want them. I long for them. Yeah? And sometimes that's precisely why we have to stick it out when we're struggling. Hmm? I've stuck it out when I'm struggling. I've always stuck it out. And I left when I felt God told me it was time. And both churches were sorry to see me go. But God has spoken. What do you do? And it goes for people too. And you know, I found that Christ adds the saved people to the church. Have you noticed that? In Acts 2 and Ephesians 2, we find that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with many in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now notice here that when God's people are praising Him and enjoying one another, well, it becomes rather contagious. Hmm? And God adds more to that body, I, I dare say. I, I don't think God adds people to unhealthy churches. I think He adds them to the healthy ones. Now, people might resist going to a healthy church because they're looking for something different. They're looking for something that is what they're looking for, not what Christ is looking for for them. They're looking for great children's ministries, or, or they're looking for these big, small groups, or they're looking for, you know, all the who's who, or they're looking for who knows what. We, we look for churches for the wrong reasons, usually. Okay. But here's the thing. God adds to the body of people that are joyful because people want what joyful people have. I do. Do you? I want what... Come on, guys, wake up. I want what joyful people have. Tell me you don't. Tell me you don't. Tell me, I think I'm going to go someplace where there's all sorts of backbiting and fighting, you know, and everybody's, you know, oh, that's what I want. Count me in. I unfortunately think there's some people that want that. And if they can't find it, they'll start it. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you love your church, it shows. Huh? When you love your church, it shows. Every single person I talk to that goes to the bridge with Billy Joe Henry loves their church. I, I haven't found one person that doesn't. And if they don't, they leave it. Right? And he's lost a few. I want people here to love our church so much that they can't wait to tell people about it. And you can't love your church if you're not getting what God wants you to have out of it. Amen? You just can't. 
And so here's, here's, here's what God wants to know from all of you. God wants to know what it would take for you to love your church. I know that because that's what he's, Paul's basically saying. He's asking the Colossian church that. He's asking the church at Ephesus that. He's asking the church at Free Life that. He wants to know what God would have to do. What, what would God have to do to make you love your church? At least more than you do now. Because people that love their church urge people to attend it. Now, here, here's another truth. I used to not to want to go after people that were unchurched. I, 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 uh, I only um, wanted, I didn't want to go after people that were churched. I didn't want to go after people at other churches. Because I felt, listen, the, the kingdom of heaven is out there. There are people that don't have Christ. So we ought to be pursuing them. And so we should. But I'm changing my opinion now. And I'm not opposed to going after people in other churches. Now, I'm not telling you to go raid Maryland or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. And I don't want to take advantage of another church's misfortunes. That's not what I'm saying. But here, let me tell you what God, I think, is saying. Okay? Because the thing is, I figured if they were at church, they were getting everything that they needed. But I've come to the understanding that this isn't true. There are people in churches that are lost. They don't know why they're there. In fact, they don't even like it. And sometimes they go because family always goes there, or they've always been there, or what are their friends go there, or who knows what. And they're afraid to change something new. You know, it happens. And usually we change churches when something bad went down. Yes or no? But here's what I found. For one, people come here. I don't know about other churches. I'm sure they do. But they come here. And they tell me that they've learned more in a very short time with us than they have an entire lifetime somewhere else. Okay? How many of you think that's true? Okay? That's why you're here. That's why you're here. And you know why you learn? Because your pastor teaches what the Bible says, not what he wants to believe. And when people want to know, what do you think about that? If the Bible doesn't specifically say, I might give an opinion, but it's going to be based on biblical opinion. But mostly I'll say, well, let's see what the Word of God says. Because you really can't go wrong there. People disagree with me all the time, but they don't want to come and tell me. You know why? Because they know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go right back to the Scripture and say, okay, I, I, that's fine. I, I can accept that. But what does the Bible say right here? Well, they don't, they don't want to look what the Bible says because they don't want to believe what the Bible says because they want to believe what they want to believe to do what they want to do. You know it and I know it. Okay? So that's the point, my friends. That's the point. Now, I am not saying that people can't learn somewhere else. In fact, they do. But I do think that many churches and many pastors are not doing their jobs. And I'm not going to tell you who they are or who I think they are, because it doesn't really matter. You know what I'm concerned with? Are we doing ours? Are we? Because if we're doing our job, you and me, if we're being the fulfilling part of Christ that He's called us to be, then here's what's going to happen. God will bring people to us, even if it's only one at a time. He will do it. He'll trust us. And the fact is, it's easily proven by the wrong thinking that many Christians have. I know churches and pastors aren't doing their jobs. If they were, people wouldn't believe things that are completely unbiblical. And we do. Huh? We do. So I sort of feel, friends, like the Lord is calling us into going after those who want a deeper relationship with Him, who, who are either aren't getting the proper instruction that they should be, or they're getting wrong instruction. And you know who's got wrong opinions and who's getting wrong instruction. You know them. 
Okay? And I'm not saying steal them and tell them come over here. I think you have a spiritual conversation with them. And, and if they keep going back to the fact that that's what they learned in their church, then go to the Bible and say, look, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. This is what it says. Now, I, I can't tell you where to go, but I know at our church you're going to get the proper instruction. Just saying. And if God's telling you that you want to seek Him better, maybe there's another alternative for you. Maybe you should at least look at that and leave it at that. And believe me, there are plenty of people out there like that. God wants to add to our church, and I am not particular on how He does it. Either unsaved people or what I call undersaved people, even though I know that's not a, a possible, possible thing. But I think there's people that got saved and they've never done anything with it. And they're living wrong lives, heretical lives, because they don't know any better. And they're feeling all snugly and warm inside because somebody tickled their ears that day. Or probably every day. And friends, that's, that's comfortability that God doesn't offer. Because the enemy's patient, he's prevalent, and he's powerful. But praise God, I serve somebody more powerful than him. And I want the truth. Lastly, fullness is completeness. You see, there's this other aspect to the fullness of Christ. Paul says, filled to the full measure. He's basically saying complete when you can't get any more full. So listen to his words. Ephesians 3.19 that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I began to think about that, and I want to ask the question, how many of you believe that you've had enough of God? Have you thought about that? Who says, oh, you know, thanks, thanks, Pastor Bob, I, I've had plenty. I've got enough. Well, you'd be foolish if you said it. Then why are you acting like it? Right? This isn't, this isn't the buffet where you probably ought to stop. Okay? Right? Who, who's, who knows at times they should have stopped at the buffet, but they looked over at the buffet and said, eh, maybe I got just a little bit more room. Who's done it? Come on. Come on, friends. Oh, come on. And if you didn't see the buffet, you saw the ice cream machine or you saw the dessert place. And I know it's, we're almost done. Don't worry. So, right? You, 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 I, you somehow find a way. You can be full and push your chair back and say, I'm finished. And then somebody comes out with the dirt, dessert platter and you're like, well, maybe not. Give me a minute or two. Let me run to the bathroom fast. <laughs> Come on. Right? Okay. God is basically saying he, he's, he wants it to be complete where you can't get any more full. Listen to his words. In, in Ephesians, what he said. And I began to think about that. So, does that mean that you're more than full spiritually? Yeah, that's what he says. And I, friends, I know I'm not. I am not as full as I need to be. I'm not as full as I want to be. Anybody? There will always be room for spirituality in you. I remember once when I was a teenager, I was staying at my grandparents' house, and grandma and grandpa always had lots and lots and lots of good things to eat. In fact, they would go out and bring things in when they knew I was coming. And there was one time, one evening, I'll never forget, everything that Grandma and Grandpa had out there and everything in the fridge looked so good, I wanted all of it. And I was a teenager now, like 17 or something, 16, I think. And so, uh, so you know what I did? I, I, I'm pretty sure I was a freshman in high school. So you know what I did? This is what I did. 
I ate everything they had, and then I started looking for more. And I literally gorged myself to the point that I was so full, I was sick. And I sat on the couch, Grandma on the front perch, and Grandpa was sitting there watching TV with me, and I kind of reclined on the couch. I couldn't sit in the couch. I couldn't lay down because I felt like I would like, literally burst. I, my stomach was so bloated that I, I just knew I was going to have to have a medical procedure. <laughs> that actually happened. Don't shake your head. I, I, I didn't know you then. And so, and so, so here's the deal. So here's the deal, right? So I laid there, kind of reclined, and I'm thinking, oh, God, please, God, please, please, please. Digestion, work, work, work. I was that full. And do you know an hour later, what did I do? I think I can have a snack. I think I can have a snack. Dummy! Right? I feel at a buffet. I don't go to buffets because if I go to one, I don't feel like I've got my money's worth unless I tried everything on it. Who, who else thinks that? Come on. Come on! You got to try it, right? So why do you get big portions of other stuff then, you know? To take little portions and go back and try things. See, th that's where they get you. Don't get me started on that. But that's where they get you, okay? Now, there are some people, you know, that they're going to lose money on. I guarantee you. serve crab and it's all you can eat. You're going to lose money on me, okay? But here's the deal, friends. I, I looked at this thing spiritually and I thought, oh, okay. Just like the dessert tray, you know, you're full, but they bring it around. You, you know, do, you, you should pick one, right? Right? If, if, if I go, uh, my friend George, you know, down at the Saratoga, when, when they, if anybody seen their dessert tray? Oh, yeah. It's pretty amazing, right? So, yeah, see, we like to go get coffee and have dessert, right? Yeah. And so Beth and I will go there sometimes just because we want the coffee and dessert, yeah? Yeah. And so, and, and by, by the time you leave, wherever you were, whether it's home or another restaurant, you know, you, you've jiggled enough that probably you have a little room now when you get there. The walk-in and the car, you know. And so you get there, and so what do they do? They bring it out there, and if there's baklava on it, it's a no-contest slam dunk, right? Probably the worst thing on there for me, but that's the one I'm going to choose. Uh, the cheesecakes are pretty good, right? So I'm not, this is not a thing for go see George. Now, what I'm saying to you is this. When they bring that thing around, it's probably a good thing if I just pick one. Now, I'd like all of them, and I wouldn't mind having a sample. Maybe I should tell him have a sampler platter. But anyway, so... Just, just thinking out loud. But, right, you should pick one. But probably nobody in here is going to pick every single thing on there, even though you might want it. So go back another time. And, yes, they will eventually have it again. Huh. You see, friends, I, I want to be this full of God. I want, I want to have that fullness that's offered me. I would rather go fill my gullet than I would my spirituality. That's humanity. And Satan knows that, and he will taunt you. Remember the dangle. It isn't going to kill you if you don't know if the vanilla bean cheesecake was better than the baklava. I, I feel your pain. I know. Right? But... but God said, there's more to it than that, isn't there? Isn't, isn't there more here? I know it isn't going to be uncomfortable or make me sick if I get more of God. And I, and I don't want God for the wrong reasons either. There's plenty of evidence in the Bible of people that wanted the wrong things from God. They always wanted His power, and they wanted other attributes, or they wanted His protection and things like that. Sure, I want those things. Sure, you want those things. We should want those things, and God wants to give them. 
but God has promised to bestow them if we're obedient. If we're obedient. And so I want all the spiritual blessings that God wants to give me because I know that if I'm receiving those, then I'm going to get all the spiritual gifts necessary for whatever situation I'm in because that's how God works. And some of those things I have all the time, and some of the time He infuses me with it for that moment, just like He does you. Because, again, is there anything God can't do? No. Ephesians 4 and Romans 15, So Christ gave Himself... Himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. This is Paul. Now listen. As our worship team comes, God is saying to us through Paul that he wants to build us up in the knowledge and the spiritual understanding, and that we can't and won't have unity together until that happens. And we won't receive this kind of fullness until all of us reach that place. Which means that we really can't get to the place we all want to be until our slowest member catches up to us. You understand that? You can only go as far and as fast as your slowest member. And I don't want to leave anybody behind. And this, friends, means we have work to do. Those that have some learning and practicing to do ought to get it from those who already have it. You understand? Which is why these small groups have to happen. I can't give it all to you. We're going to have to interact with one another. We're going to have to nurture one another. We're going to have to learn from one another. We're going to have to uphold one another. We're going to have to pray for one another. We're going to have to be involved with one another. And coronavirus is going to keep you from doing it. But good night, friends. That didn't have to come to do it. There's all sorts of other reasons that kept you from doing it. Time, right? Ability, desires. All of these things, Satan uses every single one of them, and when it's not working, he goes to other things, and I believe he's behind this ridiculous virus. Anybody doubt it? God expects this from us, friends. And I think in a church this size, it's much easier to attain this fullness in Christ than it is in a much larger church. I'm grateful that we're not that big. Does that make sense to you? I want to grow, but I'm grateful we're not so big that we don't know each other. And I look at these large churches that so, so, so many people want to go to that offers them so much, and you know those churches that all our friends seem to want to attend, and I, and I wonder how will they ever attain this fullness that Paul is talking about in a mega complex when most people don't even know somebody else. Now, nothing against those churches. I'm not against them. Don't, don't hear me say that, and I'm not envious either. But I do want to be the best we can be. I want to be everything we can be. I want the fullness of Christ He wants to offer to us. And to be honest, friends, I know those churches have their place, but in all honesty, I'd rather be here with you. I, I, I really would. Or I wouldn't be. Because I want to attain the fullness that God wants to bestow. And so I ask, what about you? What do you want? Do you have the fullness of Christ? I'm guessing that none of us has it to the level that Paul is suggesting. And so then I ask you what, are you, what are you willing to do to get it? And I think it's pretty clear what it is and how to get it. The question is, will you? 
That's, that's the million dollar question. So would you stand with me today? And as we sing today, aren't you grateful that God has led you where you are? The grass does seem to be greener on the other side sometimes, but like you, I found it seldom is. I know what God wants to do here. I don't think it's an accident you were here. And I don't think it's an accident that people can listen to our, our lesson online today. And this is one they ought to hear. Not because I brought it, but because it's the message that Paul is giving, not just to those churches, but to us, the church of today. And he wants to do amazing things in us. What are you willing to do to get it? Because God wants to break every chain that Satan is locking you up with right now. He just does. So let's ask him.